0: I was an ERCOT representative in this county when I was 25. Hard to believe. Grandfather was an ERCOT man, and father too. Me and him was ERCOT reps at the same time, him and Abilene, me here. I think he was pretty proud of that. I know I was. Some of the old-time power guys never even wore a winter coat. A lot of folks find that hard to believe. Bill Magnets never even owned one. That's CEO Bill. Sally Talberg wouldn't wear one neither. That's up in uh, Comanche County. Always like to hear about the old timers. Never missed a chance to do so. Neighbor Crampton over in Batrick County. knew everybody's meter readings by heart. You can't help but compare yourself uh, to the old timers. Wonder how they would have operated these times. There was a grid safety inspector I sent to Huntsville a while back. My hire, my testimony. He approved the infrastructure in that entire county. He chose not to have it winterized. They said it was budgetary concerns, but weren't nothing budgetary about it. Told me he'd been planning not to winterize that grid for about as long as he could remember. Said if they sent him back, hell, he'd do it again. Said he knew he was going before the governor. Said he'd be there in about 15 minutes. I don't know what to make of that. I surely don't. The lack of winter preparedness you see now. It's hard to even take its measure. It's, it's not that I'm cold. I knew you always had to be willing to be cold sometime to do this job, but I don't want to put on wool socks and a nice scarf and go out to meet something that I just don't understand. You can say it's my job to keep the power on <laughs> for every Texas citizen, but truth be told, I don't know what my job is anymore. More than that, I, I don't want to know. Why, a man would have to put his Christmas bonus at Hazard. He would have to say, Okay, I'll drive the Mercedes for one more year.
1: because the way that you typoed
0: infrastructure, I don't know why. I thought it was so funny. In- <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> infrastructure. <Dude>, yeah. <laughs> so my fingers are so. So I sit up here. I sit up here, and I forget to turn the heat on, which is why I, like, preheated it. And my hands just get so cold, they, like, don't work. And yeah. it doesn't even occur to me to turn on the heat. It's and just, I'm
1: like, kinda... cold nubs banging against the keyboard. Yeah, just,
0: like, dirty, cold meat. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, that was nice.
0: <laughs> Thank, um, Thank
1: you. All right, let's start the show.
0: Alright, yeah, um, well, uh, welcome once again to the 4th, 5th, or 6th, now it's the 5th episode of uh, Left on Red, (laughs) Texas' big-ass, shiny-ass, frozen-ass, independent-ass power grid. Yeah, That's right, folks, we've been hearing all about it on the news, and, well...
1: Well, a few weeks ago you heard about it on (laughs) the news. A few weeks ago now
0: you heard (laughs) about it on the news. Yeah, we like to be timely here at Left on Red. Yeah, this show is like, it's like a meal. You get the inspiration, you cook the meal, you eat the meal, you ingest the meal, and then the next day, after a lengthy process, the, you, final, product. the final product is revealed. And, and the show is a lot like that final product. So what we try to do is let it gestate, marinate, and then we you know, give birth the, to it. It's the final product of our minds. <laughs> it's like our little mind baby. <laughs> it might be fast, it might be messy, but God damn it, isn't it cute? um all right um so uh i guess we'll get started um today's episode isn't brought to you by anyone because uh i didn't think of anything good so i've got no ads for you and uh do you have any ads did anybody reach out to you no no you
1: said you said you had one Uh, no i didn't yeah the other day
0: I did? Oh! Yeah. <laughs> this is B-roll. Uh, so I do actually have an ad, and I'm completely prepared with it. Um, today's episode is brought to you by... <laughs> the people that bought... <laughs> the. B- I have such a hard... So I was thinking about this today. I have such a hard time saying this next part. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the people who brought you the bread bowl bed pan. <laughs> That's right, folks. It's another great product from Dr. Fantastic. This week we're talking to you about Dr. Fantastic's flavored catheters, the only (laughs) catheters approved for use in real American hospitals that also carry a range of tropical fruit flavors. That's right. Now, in in addition to properly draining your bladder, you can enjoy the delicious tropical sensation of coconut and pineapple uh, or the, the tart autumnal freshness of Macintosh Apple. And new to their line, uh, which I'm told is very special, uh, and if you go on our website and uh, enter the code LEFTUNRED4, all in capitals, uh, you'll get 20% off your next order of sardine. So, again, folks, that's Dr. Fantastic's flavored catheters, and uh, those are the people that brought you the bread bowl bed pan.
1: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll only charge them half. Uh, for this week's ad spot.
0: Yeah, see, the way that our ads work, it's sort of more like a pyramid scheme. They have us buy a certain amount of their product, and then it's up to us to sell it.
1: Yeah, we have to, yeah.
0: And let me tell you, the
1: sardines just fly right off the shelves.
0: They fly right off the shelves. I think what people really appreciate most in a catheter is uh, an astringent brine.
1: A nice, salty... A little aftertaste right <laughs> yeah,
0: there. It's good. And uh, the thing about that is it's it's the gift that keeps on giving um, because you'll taste reusable, the catheter. Yeah. Not only are they <laughs> hang to dry and reusable, but they are uh, environmentally friendly, uh, biodegradable. And, uh, be uh, sure to only use warm water, no soap. No soap. Um, when, when you wash them. Yeah. yeah, it's like a condom, which as we all know, when you're reusing one of those, just rinse only. Just a
1: little dabble. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And nothing more than like a baby shampoo. Anything else is going to eat right through that latex. So with your uh, Dr. Fantastics, just you know, make sure that you go on their website, agree to the terms of service. Uh, and then if you pay an extra $9.95, um, which is in euros, you can get their PDF uh, user's manual. It's only, I think it was like, what, a 76 pages. So it's pretty quick. Um, and it's worth it, honestly, because I tried using them before reading that. And I found the experience to be less than satisfactory um with again that being, that's left
1: on red four for 20 percent off
0: yeah somewhere between 20 and 70 percent off of your next order um depending on the day of the week uh, we decided to go with a week schedule because no one else is doing it so um all right all right that's the that's the ad spot great that's and let me tell you guys we're rolling in the dough with that one um all right, cool. So I guess let's dive right into the topic at hand, um, which probably nobody guessed. Maybe you guess it's Texas-themed from my little homage to one of my favorite flicks there. But um, we are talking, of course, about the independent Texas power grid. Now, Evan, I know you mentioned before that a couple weeks ago this was all over the news. Do you remember hearing about this?
1: Have you heard, have you heard about this? Have you guys yeah. seen have you anything seen this? about this? Have you guys seen this uh, independent power grid? Have you heard about this? Yep. Uh, yes, I did, but could you tell me more?
0: Not only could I tell you more, but I've got about an hour and 20 minutes worth of information to share directly with you. Um, so, uh, the prelude, right? We're going to go back in time a little bit from the present day. Not as far as we're going to be going back, but a little bit further back. So, on January 31st, 2011, the Groundhog Day blizzard, which we actually got over here a little bit. Um, I asked around about this because I didn't personally remember it, but this was a, another nationwide storm system um but particularly it was exceptionally far-reaching in the American Central Plains and South, so Texas. Uh, Slams into the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area, uh, one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country, and rocks Texas's independent power grid for three straight days. Uh, Rolling blackouts, which we'll get into later, but rolling blackouts affect up to 75% of the state. So that means water mains are freezing, people are freezing, food spoils in stores. Uh, Other states are mostly powerless to help uh, because Texas... Spoiler alert, doesn't fuck with other people's power grids. Uh, July of 2020, Governor Greg Abbott, who is the current governor of Texas, uh, his commissioner appointees to the Public Utility Commission of Texas disband their oversight and enforcement division, um, which suspends all legal action investigation of standards oversight across the utility sector in Texas. So not just... Really normal stuff. Yeah, normal stuff, guys. Normal first world stuff. First world stuff. This is the sort of thing you see happen in every major <laughs> metropolitan area in the, the developed world. Um, so uh, yeah, at least no one's in long- Texas. Uh, well, right. Let's, we'll, we'll get there. Um, so that's not just electricity. That's water and everything. But basically, there is no longer a government commission overseeing whether or not these various state apparatuses are up to code. Um, and you'll start to see why. November of 2020, the P-U-C-T ends their contract with uh, Texas's Reliability Entity, which I think is the name of a a private investigative firm. I was kind of unable to figure out exactly what that is. But Texas Reliability Entity, which oversaw safety and productivity of specifically the Texas power grid. And then, as if on cue, the winter storms... Wait, I'm sorry. Is
1: that called the Texas Reliability Entity?
0: Yeah, which makes it seem like it's some (laughs) sort of weird, like... NPC in brand or strategy yeah. or something. The Entity. The Reliability Entity. Like yeah, herefore it's only referred to as The Entity. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me Trey. i don't know anyway so uh then as if on cue uh the winter storms of february 10th through the 11th and the 13th through the 17th of 2021 that's right folks just a couple weeks ago a massive snow and ice system manages to touch huge parts of the u.s and canadian pacific northwest the u.s southwest parts of northern mexico parts of the u.s midwest and northeast and you guessed it folks the great state of texas uh, for the record, meteorologists knew that this would be bad, and that would likely affect parts of the American Southwest. I'm sorry, Southeast. <laughs> Southwest and Southeast. I wrote Southeast. I don't know. Texas, I think, is just considered like Central South. It's like the South Plains or something. Well, like
1: I would that. say like West Texas is probably considered the Southwest.
0: Yeah. I guess that's then, fair. I feel like Texas is And then you would say
1: East of... is more just like the Gulf Coast region. Yeah,
0: that's true. Texas yeah. is kind of just Texas. Yeah. Like, and I feel like we're gonna see throughout this this uh, this episode that that's sort of by design. People in Texas really fuck with Texas. People in Texas love Texas. You know how you know somebody's yep. from Texas? Are, are they gonna tell me? Oh, they'll tell you, bud. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so for some of the areas that are affected by the storm, uh, it's not a particularly devastating storm system. It was a big storm system, uh, and there were parts of the country that were hit very hard, not just Texas. Um, but one thing that a lot of these other places have in common, that being like the American um, Pacific Northeast, the Midwest, Canada, um, the American Northeast, um, and even parts of the South, the Southeast, um, they're all slightly more acclimated to this type of weather than Texas. Texas is sort of uniquely unprepared for any sort of winter storm activity. Um, This means that there are infrastructural features in most American cities that get any kind of regular winter weather uh, that are going to account for the added strain that a storm has on things like road safety, uh, municipal water supply, um, and especially importantly for our story, the power grid, which I think a lot of people tend to associate with like just the lights and the heat and the gas in your house. Um, Not the gas, sorry, but the lights and the heat in your house. But the power grid is behind basically everything. I mean, people forget, you know, uh, the gas pumps at the gas station are electric. Uh, The water purification plant that makes sure that your sewage doesn't get recycled into your tap water. uh, That's, Mostly powered by electricity. Um, and this electricity comes from a variety of places, but the point is when the entire power grid in an area fails, uh, you're going to start to see societal collapse in, in a modern society pretty quickly. Um, most of our day-to-day commodities are in some way attached to the power grid.
1: Hey, you're going to want to fill that bathtub with water pretty much right away.
0: You're going to want to fill that bathtub <laughs> with water, um, which just about everyone in Texas ended up having to do. Um, so the thing is, it, this storm ends up only dumping about three inches of snow on large <clears throat> parts of Texas. So The range is like two to <clears throat> five, so we'll just say three or four. Um yep. And three inches of snow in somewhere like Seattle or Toronto or Boston, I mean, that's business as usual, right? Like, nobody cancels school for three inches of snow in a city that gets snow regularly. And the reason for that is we've got a fleet of plows, we've got snow removal, we've got places to put the snow, which a lot of people don't think about. We've got salt. We've got the salt. That salt the roads. And we keep that stuff stockpiled, you know what yep. I mean? Um you go to a state like Texas, and they don't bother keeping any of that stuff on hand. So everything that they get that helps them through a storm like that is coming from without. Um, especially, and here's where we're going to sort of get into um, later in the episode, but power, which is not something that I thought of before researching for this episode, but power uh, is often transmitted, electrical power is transmitted from state to state in moments like that to keep hospital grids running, to keep you know the bare minimum things from shutting down that keep a society functioning. Fridges and stores, things like that. Yep. Um, even states that received a huge accumulation of snow and ice um, were in areas where weather this magnitude is accounted for. So, like I said before, some places did get hit really hard and, and in a way that I would think of as hard. So Detroit got like 26 inches of snow. I mean, 26 inches of snow is no... Jesus no, Christ. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's no joke no matter where you are. Yeah, um, but
1: at least in in Detroit, you're... Yeah. (laughs) Expecting
0: that once in a while. In Detroit, 26 inches of snow isn't unheard of, right? That's not a record-breaking event. Three inches of snow in El Paso, that's breaking records. So people were uniquely unprepared. Uh, the areas like a stor- where a storm like this can wreak havoc on an unprecedented scale, like I said, are areas where severe winter weather is infrequent enough. State and local officials feel that they can neglect spending money to prepare for what may seem beforehand like an anomalous occurrence. Uh, the particular state that we'll be focusing on this week uh, and about which now uh, most of our listeners will have probably heard is the Lone Star State. Good old Texas. Um, For perspective, it is estimated that across the countries affected, just shy of 10 million homes and businesses during the storm, lost power for some period of time. So between February 10th and February 17th, um, approximately 10 million homes and businesses lose power for anywhere from an hour to a couple of days. Um, So this is a huge portion of the lower uh, 48 U.S. states and parts of Canada and Mexico. Um, so out of those 10 million, 4.5 million of those outages occur in Texas alone. Um, <laughs> and so I have written here, Texas is big, but but it ain't that big. Yeah. Um, there are 328.2 million people in the United States. Um, 29 million of those are in Texas. So that's a big portion, but it's not... It doesn't justify a figure like 4.5 million power outages. Mm-hmm. Um, to put that in perspective, 3% of Americans lost power. 15% of Texans lost power, and Texans account for about 8% of the total U.S. population. So they are disproportionately affected. Yep. Um, this isn't obviously to minimize damage to the rest of the country. This was a bad storm system. Like I said, 26. Yeah, there were tornadoes in tor- Florida. where Yeah, family. Yeah, like, oh yeah, it was just thunderstorms and like a tornado. It got cold. Right. Which is which is abnormal weather for florida i mean it's not unheard of yeah, they, but it's yeah, most tornadoes uh per square mile in the entire country wait really
1: yeah i mean that's if you count water spouts but hmm i mean dude last time i was in florida there was uh which was what like a year and a half ago um there was a tornado this was back in december uh like december 2019 there was a tornado like a few miles away wow at night that's why they make those houses out uh, of stone, dude.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I didn't realize that at all. Like, we think of Tornado Alley, which for me is like... the concrete, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, I think of Kansas. And I only yeah. think of Kansas because of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, I digress. Um, so like I said, there was an outbreak of tornadoes in the southeast, um, several deaths, and there are always generally deaths with storms of this magnitude, even in places that are... You know quote unquote prepared for it like you hear about people dying from bad storms in massachusetts and it's usually uh the very poor or the elderly or the sick who end up getting inversely affected by something like this um and that rings true with i think most (laughs) negatives that occur sort of wantonly and without direction in the united states so things like COVID, there's a parallel there um as of this this writing um so yesterday afternoon at least i I don't know how how current this still is but as of now the death toll is at just south of 90 people that's in the u.s and mexico um i think seven of those are in mexico 70 of the total are in texas um estimated property damage nationwide is estimated to exceed approximately 19 billion dollars again i think like 18 billion of that is in texas jesus Uh, In the wake of the storm, the pointing of the fingers in Texas reached a fever pitch. You got Governor Greg Abbott, who initially, and this is also widely reported, uh, blamed failing alternative energy sources, um, so like solar and wind, um, and lots of Republican leadership, traditionally dominant in Texas. They sort of hopped right on board with that. For perspective, 67% or, like, closer to 68% of Texas energy comes from fossil fuels. Um, They do, actually, and I was surprised to learn this because people were giving him such a hard time for saying this, 20% of Texas power in 2019 came from wind turbines. They have massive, massive, massive wind farms. Like, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, I was ready to rip on them even harder for, like, a 90% figure.
1: You you know what other countries have? like a lot of wind farms what's that scandinavian countries canada yeah
0: them oh, shits totally. make it <laughs> M shits make it through oh, the no. winter <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not right exactly and so <laughs> to clarify my stance he was yeah. wrong either way uh, yeah wind turbines do freeze it happens occasionally that's generally down to equipment failure um but you also disproportionately during this particular event saw uh natural gas coal yeah. and uh other fossil fuel driven power plants failing um for much more mundane reasons like they just ran out of shit to keep them going so um for him to blame it on alternative energy and then beyond that i mean the next Biggest uh, alternative energy source in Texas is negligible. It's like one percent solar, or a little bit less, something like that. So yeah. um, he was he was grasping at straws. Uh, famously, um, just so that we can get on the bandwagon a little bit late, um, Senator Ted Cruz, who packed his shit, disgusting the- little worm. No, Ted he's a, Cruz. He's, he's a bad man, and I, I love <laughs> love watching him squirm. Um, yeah,
1: so he I, hopped to fly to Cancun. I saw it described as his face looks like he always just got titty fucked. <laughs> <laughs> which is so unfortunately oh, true man. if you look at any picture of him
0: <laughs> jeez, that is uh, a very specific and very very graphic
1: <laughs> image accurate.
0: and I, I can't say i disagree with it um yeah. yeah there's like a sort of uh disgusted bewilderment about his face um Jeez, louise this is yeah. gonna be fun when like all of my relatives listen to it um <laughs> well, ju- just for the record i saw that on right for the record yeah evan didn't write that <laughs> that's joke, not I mean. my
1: disgusting uh that's not
0: my no disgusting mind. he's a good boy he wouldn't say that no, uh, so he done. hopped the flight to Cancun um, before being shamed into throwing his children under the bus, which is just the yeah. best. I love that he threw his dude. wife under the bus a couple of years ago. He threw his kids under the bus. We don't. Dude, ha- I don't have any nothing, hot takes on this.
1: Nothing but. is too too low for this worm. He's like, no. yeah, fuck, fuck the kids, dude. Yeah, burn them. Like, it's this is the same <laughs> guy who like Trump called his wife ugly, and he was just like. Meh yes daddy <laughs> <laughs> well i'm still gonna campaign
0: oh, for him. well geez like you know he's not the nicest but i guess he'd be a good president yeah um so he he was shamed into coming back he threw his children under the bus and then he took like a couple of uh photos yeah, of him loaded, like loading
1: like, one thing of water <laughs> yeah. into a van like a
0: pallet of like nestle went... water and then he
1: went to a CPAC. And they said, oh. man, it sh-, on stage, you said, man, it sure is warm here in Orlando. Not as nice as Cancun, though.
0: Wait, really? How <laughs> yeah. did I miss that? Fuck it. he just did it at CPAC, the little worm, dude. He, he he's like trying st- to make light of the situation. I heard that uh, there were... For all
1: the little CPAC piggies to just, like, yeah. share him on.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, Ted. Um, <laughs> I heard that at the, in, like, the gym at the Capitol. Um, yeah. They posted a bunch of posters of him, like, walking around in the airport, and they had photoshopped, like, glasses and, like, a tiki drink into his hand, yeah. and uh, in the background somebody put, like, uh, the angry Bernie in the chair, Yeah. which I felt pretty good about.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think you should get hazed to death, and I fi- okay, if I yeah. find out that he dies of embarrassment, I think that would just be about as funny as things get. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> as it says in the notes right here I don't say, yeah no I wrote that there are some of the little things that I say about Ted Cruz were, were scripted mm-hmm. I'm not an improvisational man it's actually not true at all I don't know why but I like to write these out uh, so now yeah. um, as the dust has settled and 80 degree temperatures have returned to Texas right? so all the snow is gone uh, the real culprit has been identified Texas is big ass independent ass janky ass natural gas and electric power grid. Uh, you've probably heard that this grid is independent, and I was wondering about that myself. They keep talking about Texas's independent power grid. It's all over the news. It's on yep. whatever network you want to name. The Lone um, Star Grid. Yeah, the Lone Star Grid. Um, it's not actually called that by anyone. I don't know why they've been calling that on the news. but uh, So I put together this episode to explore exactly what that is about, why it's the case, and how that has affected the current situation in Texas. Um, So for those of you who don't know, and I feel like I'd heard this, but I don't know, I I just sort of refreshed myself on all this. Uh, There are only three main power grids in the lower 48 states. Hawaii obviously has its own, Alaska obviously has its own, Um, and actually, those power grids service most of the Canadian provinces, so the Northern Territories are sort of like Alaska, everybody's sort of on their own, but, um, so this is most of Canada, or most of the most populated parts of Canada, maybe not by landmass, and most of the United States are on three major grids, so there's the Eastern Interconnection, which if you look at uh, North America minus Mexico, it's roughly the Eastern two-thirds. There's the Western Interconnection, which is roughly the Western one-third, and I just of eyeballed that figure. I didn't count states because whatever. Um, And then the third is the Texas interconnection, uh, which is most of Texas except for a little teeny bit on the Louisiana border, which is in the east, and a little tiny bit on the New Mexican border, which is in the northwest. Um, And those are on the respective eastern and western power grids. Um, So in a nutshell, the reason that Texas has its own power grid uh, is a deep abiding secessionist disdain for government regulation. Uh, and a desire to create a free market for energy companies in the state. So basically, uh, Texas, like most of the country, is full of independent energy providers. We have, I mean, you have your own energy company. We all pay bills to an energy company, right? Um, the difference um, is that those private energy companies that we all pay in, I mean, we're in the Eastern Interconnection, those companies have all agreed to partake in Uh, a semi-national linking of their power grids to every other power grid, whether directly or indirectly, on the eastern seaboard up through, like, the Midwest. Um, The same goes in the West. And where Texas defers is that Texas has decided to keep its power grid completely separate. So on a town-by-town basis, it doesn't feel any different than, like, here where I pay – x energy company x amount of dollars weekly or i'm sorry monthly for the power that i use and your average texas citizen says the same thing the difference being their power grid is completely self sustained within the state of texas with a couple of exceptions which we'll get into later um But outside of that, like, there's no power grids right on the border with Louisiana that are interconnected with those Louisiana grids. So if a town goes out, you know, just over the Louisiana border in Texas, they're completely dependent on power from the rest of Texas. They can't ask power plant across the river in Louisiana, hey, send us some power. That's just impossible. Um, So as I said before, approximately 90% of these energy providers in Texas specifically are fossil fuel uh, based. So... Companies might own some solar plants and they might own some wind turbines, but um, generally speaking, it's natural gas and and, and coal, which is because Texas is full of those things. Um, And at the state level, rather than being regulated by the federal government like the rest of the country, all of these independent Texas (coughs) power companies are uh, wrangled by a government agency called ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas called ERCOT from here on out. I actually don't remember if people call it ERCOT. I think they do or E-R-C-O-T, but I'm going to call it ERCOT because that's what I've been calling it in my head this whole time. Yeah. Um, so the benefit, as I said before, being on a national interconnected grid is that in times of trouble, such as A big winter storm that you didn't see coming um, if your local power plant is underperforming for any variety of reasons uh, Power can be diverted from other sources that aren't having those trouble because there's always surplus power and power can't just be stored We don't have giant batteries that hold power power is constantly being generated And if it's not used it basically it has to either go somewhere or it's just wasted so this spare power uh, is diverted And as long as you personally are still hooked up to the grid, um, you are accessing power either from your local power plant, whatever is closest to you, or from somewhere else. And you'll probably never know the difference. Um, And as long as you're hooked up, you're not going to lose light, heat, um, whatever. And, I mean, we all know that you can still lose power. But the odds that your local hospital is going to lose power or that, you know, everything in your area is going to go completely dark and there's going to be no hope of bringing things back online – is greatly mitigated by the fact that at least your emergency power stations will be able to be partially operational. Yes. Um, so obviously that's not perfect, but it's something, right? Uh, the downside, quote-unquote, to this is that these big national power grids, because they cross state lines and because power is essentially sold, like a commodity across state lines, um, it's regulated by the federal government. Yep. Um, So, I mean, the downside for us is that all of – well, for our power companies, let's say, is that they're subject to federal regulation. The downside for a Texas power company is that they – or the upside, rather – is that there's nobody looking at them saying, so, like, for us, if there's a natural disaster and we have to start taking power from Connecticut or whatever – And our local power company says, well, you know, we were one of the only power companies that went out of business. Uh, It cost us a lot more to buy enough oil and coal or whatever to keep our power plant running. So your bill is going to go up 800 percent this month because of your power usage over the last three days. That's regulated in most of the country. Texas, it is not regulated. So it's great for those companies because – in an event like this where all of a sudden say every other power plant around you failed and you're cranking out power as much as you can, you can make up that difference and you can say, wow, your, 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 your bill for the month of February is uh, $10,000. And normally you might pay 200.
1: Yeah. Um, This, this system was developed by some like Harvard pervert,
0: right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, to be Uh, honest with you, I think the idea of the free market, uh, Is the the genesis for this?
1: But specifically, some like Harvard, like economist pervert, came up with a system. Was like, hey, you guys can make like a shit ton of money doing this.
0: Yeah, maybe. To be honest with you, I have no idea who the guy is behind it. Um, I think that it was like a collaborative effort over a period of time. Um, As far as what I read, um, well, okay, we're we're getting ahead a little bit. Um, Basically, what you need to know up at this point is that Texas love their independence. They love it more than just about anything else. Um, Texans love talking about the Republic of Texas, which was a country for the briefest of moments.
1: Oh, they love talking about that.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Texas Texas was independent when it was first formed, 1836 to 1846, RIP. Um, and they've been getting behind stances like that ever since, a.k.a. slavery, which they were also big into. Um But so yeah, I mean, as far as as far as what I saw, and I don't know anything about this Harvard person.
1: Yeah, his name is. uh, uh, Looks like Harvard Kennedy School's William Hogan uh, designed the Texas energy market. Huh. There you go. Thanks, thanks, Mr. Hogan. Yeah, Professor Hogan.
0: Hogan. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, I didn't research that well, but. Yeah, I didn't know that it was, like, one guy. But so uh, originally from the time that Thomas Edison opened his first power plant in Manhattan in 1882, um, power plants were all independent. There was no interconnected power network. Um, And they start cropping up sort of all over the place. And you get, like, these little, probably mostly steam-powered or whatever they were in 1882, but um, electric power plants. Um, And so as demand slowly grows, individual power plants are realizing that they're kind of unable to meet demand outside of a very specific area, or you know, if something like a storm knocks down your power lines. Suddenly, you're not being able to get you know power to anybody. Um, so, as demand grows, individual power plants realize that they're unable to meet the demand, um, but by golly, did they want to! So, eventually, uh, they realize that the solution is to join forces. So, around the time of World War One, um, a lot of these owners are realizing that. Like I was talking about before, like, sometimes they have a surplus of power. Um, They've got more power than they know what to do with. There's no way for them to store it. And it's, I mean, for these big swinging dick business guys, it's like money down the drain. They're just, like, watching this lucrative resource just shoot off into the ether. Yep. Yeah. Um, So they decide to join forces and basically create... the basis for the modern interconnected power grid, wherein, um, say, guy A has too much power being produced at his power plant, and guy B is not able to produce enough, guy A can just say, "Hey, I'll shoot some of my power over your way. You can use it. You'll pay me for it." And then when the same happens, vice versa, we'll do it vice versa. Next yep. thing you know, we're making more people happy. Um, by the time World War II breaks out, um, a lot of these companies have sort of become like big conglomerates. And uh, they decide to further join forces in Texas. Specifically, they formed the Texas Interconnected System, which, which for the time was one of the more um, visionary power systems in the country, right? Because when it was formed, the Texas Interconnected System was not necessarily anomalous. There were other regional powers. They weren't yet brought under the... the, the the purview of one suit. There wasn't a, an Eastern interconnected and a Western interconnected power grid yet. Um, it was yeah. sort of getting there, but, um, so Texas decides to form the Texas Interconnected System, which covers most of Texas, aside from, like I said, El Paso and the Panhandle. Yeah. Um, this allowed for a massive distribution of power by linking the various hydroelectric dams in Texas's major rivers, uh, but it also, which used to be a much bigger thing for power, uh, yeah. but also it provided surplus power to run wartime factories. So like most great American innovations, it, it came at the cost of, I mean, they were basically making bombs, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um And that was the genesis of, like, people being willing to to pump out more power. Yeah. Um, In 1935, which is prevalent, um, FDR signed the Federal Power Act, which created the Federal Power Commission to oversee interstate power sales. So this was especially big at first in the East, where states are smaller generally, and um, the practice of passing power across state lines um, was more prevalent sooner. Um, and so now, because this is essentially considered interstate commerce, um, the feds claim jurisdiction over that, and they, they you know form a committee to regulate, um, to ensure that companies aren't profiting too greatly at people's expense. It's actually like a fairly progressive notion at the time, because a lot of these corporations are perfectly willing to um, trample on people. Um Texas sees this, and by keeping their network entirely within state lines, they're able to avoid all these regulations. So, um, again, when this all first started, they aren't the only, you know, organization that's independent of these federal regulations, but very quickly they become sort of the last holdout um, as the East and the West sort of consolidate under their respective power grids. So by the time you get... Um, the time you get through World War II, Texas is essentially its own independent entity. So in the span of about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important to note that they did, during World War II, they did make connections to several other neighboring states. And the purpose for that, obviously, being to say, hey, we're as patriotic as the next guy. We're going to send Oklahoma power so that their munitions plants can make more shit. But that wasn't held against them. Um, they They weren't nabbed for that. Um, it's also important to note, um, part of why Texas is so independent, is able to stay so independent so easily, um, cause they are to this day is because they're one of the nation's leading producers of, well, tons of natural resources, but, um, wind power, but also mainly natural gas, oil, coal. Um, so they just have more stuff readily available on hand. Like we're not, we're not really digging for oil in Massachusetts. So, our yeah. power plants aren't able to just get like wholesale oil from a couple miles away <laughs> for cheap and, and yeah. power their stuff.
1: Yeah, we have to go to uh, the Middle East, like the rest yeah. of the United
0: States. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and, and, you know, it's funny, is, is Texas sells a we lot of We got to get oil. that Saudi oil. Right. And where do you think Texas sells their oil? Like, it's all a big racket, but. Yeah. Um, They do have, like, nuclear power plants and stuff like that, too, it's fair to say. I mean, Texas does have, like I said, they they do have some of the most advanced wind power in the country. That's not to make an excuse for anybody, but it does exist. It's out there.
1: Um,
0: Where things get fun is in 1970, um, ERCOT forms, which we talked about ERCOT before, um, which is the uh, Electric Responsibility Commission of Texas, um, following the 1965 Northeast blackout, um, where the Northeast U.S. was essentially just completely dominated by rolling blackouts for for days um mm-hmm. and a lot of that was due to faulty equipment um things that weren't up to code whatever and so the u.s government really cracked down on their power grids and so texas saw that and decided to kind of do the same thing in response um so they formed ERCOT, um the entire purpose of which was to basically oversee the reliability of the texas power grid and essentially make sure that it was up to federal standards yeah. um even though they're not under the purview of the federal government, they wanted to make sure that their power grid was essentially, I mean, we'll be damned if ours isn't as good as yours, basically. Yeah. like, um, And God forbid something goes sour, you always want to be able to say, like, we've got, our power grid is up to code. Like, you can't say that we need to not be independent because we've got some terrible power grid and just absorb us. Like, we've got a great power grid. Yeah. So ERCOT is formed. Um, I spent a lot of time on ERCOT's website, which... I think is really great, and I think everyone should spend some time on ERCOT.com. Yeah. Um,
1: do they have little flash games or something?
0: Yeah, they have tons of no, they don't. But they have uh, they actually have some really cool infographics, which unless you're researching for a podcast on the independent Texas power grid, you might not find particularly interesting. But
1: but um, if you are,
0: but if you are,
1: um, well, we you, did it first, so you can't you can't do it for years.
0: Yeah, actually, what you well, we can't say that because spoiler there's some other podcasts about about it and uh i listened to some of them
1: we're not first
0: we're not first and uh well we're not best but by golly is (laughs) but we're there but we're there it's like running the marathon the first one you got to just be happy that you made it yeah um and then of course you know you want to win um So according to their website, uh, the Electric Reliability – I'm not going to read this whole thing. I put some – they have this long disclaimer about their duties and their goals. But uh, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas manages the flow and electric power to more than 26 million Texas customers, representing about 90% of the state's electric load. Uh, As the independent system operator for the region, ERCOT schedules power on an electric grid that connects more than 46,500 miles of transmission lines and 680-plus generation units. It also performs financial settlement for the competitive wholesale bulk power market and administers retail switching for 8 million premises in competitive choice areas. Um, So that's going to come into play. But so in oversimplification... Um, as I mentioned before, Texas is looking for a free market power system. So not only does that mean that uh, power companies are given free reign to charge based on the market rate for power, which is sort of checked in other power grids, but... ERCOT itself essentially puts out uh, frequent reports on the power needs of various areas of the state. So um, it's not always as drastic as, say, a winter storm decimating your entire infrastructure. But say there's a shortage of oil in plant A, um, ERCOT can put out a statement that says, you know, we have such and such power needs here. The going rate for that power is X amount of dollars. And then all the independent power companies that have surplus energy to sell uh, bid for that contract, and they sort of say, Hey, like, okay, I can give you this much from my hydroelectric plant, this much from my nuclear plant, and I can do it for this much money. And ERCOT then just goes up the list from cheapest to most expensive until they have all the power they need. Boom, free market. Um, so, I mean, it's not all completely, I mean, discounting any distaste for capitalism in general, it's not like the least thought out system. There are elements of it that sort of make sense, I guess, and it uh, creates a sort of some sort of system for efficiently redistributing power but um yeah. the entire yeah. you don't
1: under any circumstances gotta <laughs> hand it to the texas power grid. no 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 no. but so my point is
0: this it's not not a solution right they didn't do nothing they're 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 getting the power out there <laughs> but they're doing it at the behest of the almighty dollar yeah. um yeah so um in times of statewide power outage uh things run into a bit of a problem, right? Because so Texas is really big and they don't often have to deal with events that cripple the entirety of the Texas power grid or even most of it. Um, but what happens if, even though you've got this pretty big state, what happens? The entire
1: fucking thing just gets absolutely railroaded. What happens
0: if the entire fucking thing gets completely smacked by a winter storm? Um, In that case, they're essentially hung out to dry because in order to avoid federal regulation, they do not send power across their border in any direction under normal circumstances. Um, And as I mentioned before, there are a couple of exceptions, but I mean a couple, like there are five exceptions. Uh, (laughs) The vast majority of Texas is completely cut off. Um, And so... There's no way for outside states to funnel them power like they would in an emergency here or an emergency in Detroit or an emergency in uh, Oregon or something like that. Yep. Texas is on its own. And they're on their own because they've said, we're on our own. Like, we don't need you guys. Um, So, yeah. um, I'll edit out this space. Um, (laughs) uh, Urquhart is... (laughs) <laughs> so, in addition to regulating the free market, as they've said, they're the top regulatory agency when it comes to uh, maintenance and standards for power infrastructure in Texas. So, federally, um, I know I mentioned before the FPC, um, that is now the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the FERC, yep. um, which is currently chaired by a man named Richard Glick. And I spent <laughs> a good, <laughs> I spent a while thinking about um, Richard. Yeah, my name's Dick. Lit? Dick Glick. <laughs> if you say it fast, it's Dick Glick. Yeah. Oh, shit. And, um, yeah, that gave me uh, just more time, uh, more times worth of enjoyment than I care to admit. Yeah, Dick Lit. Dick Glick. Um, there's no way he goes by Dick. And if he does, he deserves what he gets. Honestly, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a G if he does. Yeah. No. He'll, I mean, I would. You would. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. I feel like if my name. I'm, was Dick I'm Richard. Glick, I'm Richard Glick, but you can just call me Dick. Yeah. Dick Glick dicklick I think if I was dicklick I probably wouldn't be the person I am today I think I would have been browbeaten into an entirely different personality yeah. so Oh I yeah sh- you
1: just slumped shoulders staring at your feet everywhere yeah. you go
0: a level of defeat that really can't yeah. be adequately described
1: literally the virgin from the virgin versus chad meme
0: Oh man yeah I mean essentially yeah
1: yeah the virgin dicklick
0: versus the chad Kim. the chad <laughs> See I don't I mean yeah I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I don't know if I qualify as uh, Cam Chad, but um, I feel, yeah, whatever. I'm not Dick Lick.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> Compared to Dick Lick, you are, Chad. Um,
1: <laughs> so, so anyway, old old Dick here.
0: So um, old Dick, he's just the cover the current, um, he doesn't come back into our story. He could, but um, we're like already like 45 in? minutes in and I'm not. Can we I'm write not, him in later? I'm not bringing it, well, I mean, we can talk about Dick all you want, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not bringing Dick into the show. You know, this isn't a dick-licking podcast. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> all right. I digress. Uh, so yeah, ERCOT's duties, topic. as I said, um, ERCOT, they, in addition to regulating the free market in Texas, they are also responsible for making sure that the entire power grid is properly maintained. Um, and as I, you might remember, I mentioned at the start of the show – uh, Greg Abbott, very shortly before this winter storm, started disenfranchising some of the uh, oversight uh, committees that were in place from the Texas government to um, watch over some of this infrastructure. So ERCOT is sort of like the last line of defense. Um, one of the uh, one of the main things that's involved in governing and and examining the infrastructure of a power grid is weatherproofing. So just making sure that like. Wherever you are, whatever the bad weather you get is, because we all get something. Um, your shit can handle it, and people can keep heating their homes. Because without that, I mean, things fall apart real quick. Um, yeah. Texas power company, and they've all been talking about this, like in the wake of this storm. The power companies are all coming out and saying, like, well, you know, we're, of course we don't think about winter. Like we focus on on summer proofing our equipment. Um, but in a lot of cases, that just means doing nothing, um, which is why that statement yeah, summer been,
1: proofing is just, yeah, oh yeah, we just don't do the winter proofing. Right, right.
0: It's not reinforcing. And I think that there are, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions to this, but in the, the, the research that I did, I couldn't really find many examples where like The winter-proofing that you do to a particular power grid is going to inversely affect that power grid when hot weather hits, right? So, Mm -hmm. for example, I know that we don't get the kind of heat in Massachusetts that they get in Texas, but every summer we're up in the 90s for days and days and days and days and days days on end, and there's high humidity and there's this and there's that. And all of our stuff is winter-proofed, and I've never heard of somebody losing power on a hot day. Yeah. It, maybe it's happened. Maybe those extra 20 degrees in, in the desert of Texas make a difference, and I'm just an idiot. But um, I don't think that it's as real of a concern. I don't yeah, think it's that... you
1: usually still got the AC going.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think that you would hear about deadly heat waves a lot more often if that were the case. Yeah. Um, so whatever. They're all claiming, like, we don't winter-proof because we summer-proof. And also, which...
1: again, countries like Canada... And the Scandinavian countries have a lot of windmills. Yeah. And those are obviously winterized.
0: Yeah, in countries like Holland. And they
1: also, unbelievably, they work in the summer, too.
0: They do. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Um, So, yeah, no, the windmills were actually not a huge deal. Like, (laughs) the windmills were mostly fine. (laughs) Just just as an example. They were mostly fine, no matter what anybody says. Um, Windmills are cool. (laughs) So, like I said, there are probably examples that I missed where hot weather can be adversely effective uh, uh, can adversely affect the power grid but um, I think mostly it was a cost saving measure and and um, I mean we'll we'll get back to that in a minute but Um, This brings me to one of my favorite little anecdotes, right? Um, So shortly after the formation of ERCOT in 1976, um, a small, unnamed Texas power company, which was hoping to get the state brought under federal control, right, because they were feeling like they weren't able to compete in the free market. Um, They wanted to get themselves brought under federal federal control. They intentionally diverted, um, supposedly at midnight, but overnight, they intentionally diverted a portion of their power to a plant in Oklahoma, which Mm -hmm. violated – Texas's Independence Clause. Um, And then, I mean, presumably they just leaked to the feds that they were doing this. Um, Or the plant in Oklahoma did. Or somebody said, hey, Texas is sending power to Oklahoma. When in reality it's this, like, one little power plant making a choice, supposedly, um, in order to bring themselves under federal oversight. So theoretically though, I mean, this could have given uh, the federal government a pretext to seize control of energy regulation in Texas, which they they obviously tried to do because Mm -hmm. what 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 else are they doing if not Mm -hmm. stewing over the independence of texas which they are and and people are trying to get texas to stop being independent now rightly so i think but it's a a cause for concern for a lot of people um eventually this was resolved in favor of continued texan independence largely due to the sort of like obviously underhanded nature of the event um Mm -hmm. And I I really wish that I could have found the name of this company, Um, but I think it's protected by some sort of legal something. And I wasn't good. There's, like, some article, some famous article called The Midnight Connection, which I didn't pay for to read for this um, because I just refused to. But um, check it out. Maybe you'll learn more. (laughs) But I just really liked the name Midnight Connection. Um, And then so the big one uh, in 2011, um, rolling blackouts caused by the Groundhog Day Blizzard, which I mentioned at the top of the show, um, caused ERCOT to reach out to Mexico. Um, And so then, you know, people became broadly aware that there's this sort of lifeline that ERCOT has to a couple of power stations in northern Mexico. Um, And so Mexico generously like sent tons of surplus power and kept some emergency power online in mexico during that blizzard but that blizzard had a lot of the same impacts that this winter storm this year had um obviously not on quite as large a scale but there was fair warning uh based on that event not only that um the infrastructure was flawed and not properly winterized but also that one of the main saving graces for the state in a situation like that is access to power from outside Um, which is really was a major point of um, the success in this, in this situation. Also a side note. um, I don't know if I mentioned it at the start here, but, Mexico got hit really hard by this winter storm too. So yeah,
1: you did too. Yeah.
0: yeah, one of the things that like I was thinking was like, oh, like when I first started reading about this, I was like, well, why didn't Mexico help us now? Probably because we're assholes. And it's like, no, actually, they were dealing with their own thing. Like Mexico also got bombarded. So the one yeah. lifeline that Texas had was like unable to meet demand because of their own demands.
1: Yeah, um, but like also this system just doesn't want outside help. They want the only power to be from Texas so that they can right. They they don't
0: want outside help until they absolutely need it, and then they're happy to take it, which is, I think, what the the situation in 2011, the genesis of, like, why that was such a big deal for so many people. Well, I was talking
1: more of, like, the CEOs of the power companies.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They don't want anything to do with it. And really what that amounts to is, like, they would rather let people freeze in their own homes. Um, And then hit them with $16,000, $20,000 bills. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, and not for nothing, but... um, the general party line of, of traditionally Republican Texas about Mexico and Mexicans is, is sort of a heinously terrible one. And I mean, even the whole history of Texas as a place is sort of steeped in American abuse of Mexican sovereignty. So um, the very notion of asking them to step in and help is kind of funny and uh, outrageous in its own right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like I said, this was a major sign that, that climate change and like, unexpected cold weather can hit Texas and that when it does, it like is a problem and something should be done about it. Um, So what I thought was really funny is that in the wake of this, um, ERCOT ERCOT rolled out voluntary winterization standards. So they set a list of standards that had to be met, but they made the entire list voluntary. Um, none of it was obligatory. No one was checking to see if any of it was done. There was no follow-up process. They basically—I mean, it was—it was the the regulatory equivalent of thoughts and prayers. It was like we're thinking about you guys. Here are some ideas for like how to get through this. See no, no, no. Uh, we don't
1: want to know if you are. Don't.
0: Yeah, actually, please, us. please don't call us. Like that's fine. We'll call you. Um, and so, I mean, you know, just guess. Like, guess how many of these companies followed the voluntary winterization standards. Yeah, I'm not going to say... putting up it.
1: a zero on my hand. Yeah,
0: I'm just putting up a zero. I'm not going to tell you that it was zero. I think you can just figure it out. I mean, if someone comes up to you and is like, hey man, um, we're going to stop doing inspection stickers, but I still want you to do that $1,200 repair on your car. Are you going to do it unless it's like your steering wheel or something? I mean, no? if it's a safety thing, I
1: would consider it. Well, but that's that's because I have to face the consequences.
0: That's true. You're, you know <laughs> what? That's a, that's a terrible analogy because if you don't fix your own car, you're going to die. These yeah. Texas guys probably all have like expensive ass compounds with generators and oh know, yeah, I no. Can't imagine. Ted, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz did what uh, everybody's going to do
1: during climate crises: fuck off and leave the people to themselves. Right. right.
0: Yep, it's true. So nobody does the voluntary shit. Um, like I said before, they main th- uh, maintain three connections between the entire state of Texas and northern Mexico and two connections to the eastern interconnected grid, which I believe are through Louisiana. Um, those are nice. those are really only for emergency purposes, and those connections, I mean, I cannot stress to you like how small of an entry point that is, and it makes essentially no difference. For there to be a meaningful connection, you're talking about hundreds of points of contact between a power grid and the outside. Um, and so these little points of entry are, are helping basically as few people as is conceivable. Um and there's also talk about connecting all three of them in New Mexico, but spoiler alert, ERCOT is the reason that hasn't happened. They don't want to do that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, fast forward back to the present day. Uh okay. the storm of February 2021 hits Texas, shit hits the fan, which mm-hmm supposedly no one saw coming. But as I've stated at the start of the episode, we had meteorological data to support this storm hitting Texas. Texas also had a a decade's worth of time to plan ahead um, for the next time this happened. And instead, I mean, just focused on not believing that climate change was real or that this sort of thing would ever happen again. We've all lived through the only blizzard to ever hit Texas and everything's just going to be fine. Let's keep selling power. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, none of the power grid is winterized. Um, All right. (laughs) And nearly half of Texans... Fuck yeah, brother. Fuck yeah, brother. Uh, Nearly half of Texans uh, have now, at this point, been negatively impacted by this. Um, Heat, light, water, things are just falling apart shit's hitting the fan gas pumps are failing uh food in the grocery stores is spoiling this is starting to sound a lot like 2011 only worse temperatures drop below freezing for several days straight which is really rare for texas i mean for comparison it was way below freezing yeah and it was 80 degrees in texas like a couple days after this like even in the winter parts parts of texas are what i would consider like dead of summer hot and so um these are people that not only are they not emotionally prepared for this, but their houses aren't insulated for this. Their houses are designed to stay cool in hot weather. Their water pipes aren't insulated, so their water pipes are freezing. And then as soon as things go back up to 80 degrees, they're immediately bursting because, well, they burst when they're frozen, and then they flood when they thaw, right? So you have these pipes that just get totally shredded by frozen, expanding ice, and then they burst, so there's flooding in in neighborhoods, flooding in businesses, flooding flooding in towns. Um, People are left without access to, I mean, and most people don't have backup generators in a lot of these areas, areas that don't get things like tornadoes and earthquakes and stuff or bad weather. Like, why would you have a backup generator? And, yeah. um, of course, as always, like I said before, the people that are that are inversely affected by this are uh, the poor um, minorities and people that are sick and unable to um, really do anything about winterizing their house or preparing for a storm like this. So they're just Definitely. completely left out to dry. Um, ERCOT institutes uh, really, really, really strict rolling blackouts. Um, and I know I've mentioned rolling blackouts a couple times. Rolling blackouts, for those of you who don't know, are intentional blackouts caused by a power company as basically a last ditch effort. Um, so, what can happen in a lot of these situations is If uh, certain power supplies in a grid are knocked out and then other power supplies are left to sort of pick up all the slack because they're connected, those stations can then be overloaded and themselves be unable to work. So then you're left with no power. Um, So rolling blackouts are instituted wherein sort of, quote-unquote, less risk areas are assessed and they're... Power is taken away from them in order to lighten the load on the existing power infrastructure so that it's able to provide power to, uh, quote unquote, you know, higher risk or higher need areas. Now, take a guess where those end up being, but I don't think a lot of senators are fucking sitting in the cold. I think there's a lot of people with a lot of money in a lot of wealthy neighborhoods that are considered high risk and are getting uh, uh, their power subsidized and continued to be supported um they're also the people that can afford an unexpected sixteen thousand dollar bill which is something that we're going to see in a second um Mm -hmm. but one of these major i mentioned before like that there's a there's an internal free market among power companies in texas and one of the big companies is called gritty like g-r-i-d-d-y not like socialist icon and philadelphia flyers (laughs) mascot gritty um but gritty which uh it takes a wholesale approach to its customer service, not just the way that it outsources power, but the way that it bills its customers. So, and there are companies that offer this throughout Texas, and they all tend to advertise the potential uh, lower lower rate. But really, what they're saying is, you know, times where this power plant isn't in high demand and your power isn't being used as much, or we are not producing as much power, um, right. you're going to pay less, right? Because the market price for this energy is less. But in times where either you yourself are using far more power, which is similar to us, but also times where even if you are not using far more power or through no fault of your own, the market rate for power goes up. So, for example, say you're one of the lucky few people who in a massive statewide uh, snowstorm that takes out the entire infrastructure, say you're one of the few lucky people who's got power still, well, guess what? If you're paying for power through Gritty, they're now a hot commodity. And that yep. power is going to go up exponentially in price. And there was one guy who, oh, gosh, what town was it in? Was it in? It wasn't in El Paso. Um, there were reports of like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar gas price or gas bills or electric bills yeah. for people that were um, being charged like and, and five thousand or six thousand of that was for like two days worth of power use. Like mm-hmm. people were just getting absolutely demolished. Um, San Antonio. It was in San Antonio. One guy was charged $16,000 for the month of February for the privilege of retaining power. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, obviously, so now there's, like, a slew of class action lawsuits, and people are suing these companies. And Greg Abbott is coming yeah, out but saying, this, is, say a dime. <laughs> this isn't right. Like, people shouldn't be stuck like this. And it's like, yeah, well, well, that's uh, literally what the system was designed to do.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the guy that I told you about before, that Harvard pervert, he straight up said, oh, no, this system is working exactly as designed yeah. He said that after the
0: storm. Yeah. This is how <laughs> it's supposed to be, and they're just... Like, he
1: didn't design it. He's like, no, right. well, this is how it should work.
0: Yeah. They're getting cold feet. They're realizing that people don't like the mean thing they're doing, and so they're backpedaling. Yeah. Um, so pipes are bursting. Uh, fuel plants are basically unable to keep themselves running. So um, Mm -hmm. power plants in places that get lots of winter weather, they tend to stockpile fuel for their respective power plant to ensure that in potentially lean seasons, they have a little bit of wiggle room. Yep. Power plants don't do that in Texas like they do up here, um, even though they had notice. And a big reason for that is that power companies in Texas, I mean, not all the oil produced in Texas or all the coal produced in Texas is kept in Texas. They make... A huge amount of money selling it overseas um and so this storm hits and these power plants are dying and for like two or three days these companies that are digging up for this oil like they don't change anything because they're in texas and texas is all about the free market and this is what you asked for and they're still offering more money for us to sell this to whatever greece or something and so we're still selling it to Greece. And so you've got all these power plants in Texas running out of money and all these oil companies in Texas still selling their money out of the, selling their oil out of the country. Um, yeah. And so eventually Greg Abbott, whatever, steps in and is like, you got to sell to Texas companies. Not give it to them, but, but you have to sell it to them. Um, <laughs> so for like days, like these power plants that could, that, it, nothing was inherently wrong with them except they couldn't get enough fuel. And yeah. oil companies are still just like, eh, I'm going to go ahead with this sale here. Um, two people froze to death. Uh, an 11-year-old boy froze to death in his mother's trailer. She found him frozen to death in the morning uh, because they were unable to stay warm because their generator failed and uh, they were not able to connect to power. Um, and a 75-year-old man uh, also died in their own homes. Um, COVID vaccines were impacted. Um, don't be stupid. Get the vaccine. Uh, massively delayed. Massively delayed. It says only 1,000 doses were lost, but I I kind of have a hard time believing that. Um, Another thing that I thought was, I mean, it's funny, but it's it's not funny. Um, (laughs) Carbon monoxide poisoning skyrocketed because people were, like, really cold, and so they would, like, bring their grills or, like, light light fires inside. Um, And you can't do that without ventilation, folks. That's why you've got that chimney. Um,
1: yeah, don't bring your grill inside.
0: Yeah, I don't think there were many, many deaths from that, but people were getting yeah. carbon monoxide poisoning. So, yeah, if you're ever stuck inside and it's really cold, you're better off like bundling up or trying to figure out some alternative way to get warm. Do not bring your Coleman grill uh, into <laughs> your into your den because um, you'll get you'll get very sick. Um, and one funny thing is that in the in the wake of this, ERCOT has been like completely thrown under the bus. Yeah, um, as soon as as like Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz realized that they couldn't pin it all on alternative energy. They were just like, it's ERCOT. And, um, granted they've been neutering ERCOT for years, but whatever it's ERCOT. Um, and it sort of is ERCOT, but like, you know, not a hundred um, percent. there've been seven executive resignations. Um, the Texas state house just like will not let up on them. Um, and they are, <laughs> they're very, they're very, very sorry for what they've done. Yeah, I heard them
1: say it. I heard heard them say
0: it. There's been apologies, and they mean it. Um, And, yeah, I mean, okay, so this isn't a current events podcast, and I feel like I've said about about as much as I can say, but um, in closing, um, Texas has an independent power grid because they don't like the feds. That's really what it boils down to. Uh, They like a nice unrestricted free market. Um, they've convinced their voters that they also like a nice unrestricted free market. And so the voters elect officials who support this and they do nothing to prepare for the pitfalls of a scenario like this because fuck it, they want to make money. Um, and so when these uh, apparently unforeseeable pitfalls do eventually throw, show up like three inches of fucking snow in February, which I'm sorry, but you live in the Northern hemisphere. There's a potential for three inches of snow. Yep. Um, everything grinds to a halt. And nobody in the state knows who to blame because the entire industry in the state is designed around deferment of responsibility and an unwillingness to be held accountable for meeting any sort of safety standard. Um, So everybody blames solar energy and they blame wind turbines and they keep selling their delicious natural gas overseas and you get 90 dead people Uh, and everything falls apart. And then everyone knows all of a sudden and you've got. People knowing about your weird little independent power grid, and Wall Street's been talking about it for years, and lone staters are so proud of it, but no one else knew about it. And now you have a, a couple of smug New England fucks who are sick and tired of hearing southern states bitching about the occasional dusting of snow, and we're making a shitty podcast about how dumb it is that you wanted your special little thing all for yourself. And in reality, it's a travesty, and all we can hope is that local and state government in Texas can stop tripping over their own dicks. Uh, long enough to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, and yeah, That's
1: po- why I say that I'm not, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm fine with people in the South bitching about getting dusting of snow
0: since they're not prepared for it, but. No, I know. Me too. <laughs> it's poetic license. I actually don't blame people. Snow can be a bitch, and I bitch about yeah. snow every time it happens here, and I really don't take kindly and to Let people me tell you, anymore. I
1: bitch the second it gets 77 degrees up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I'm torn. I, I don't blame any of the people in Texas as much as I went off on my whole diatribe about, like, voters and this and that, whatever. Like, they're getting taken advantage of, and it's not their fault, and they're not... I don't blame people for living in a system that wants to eat them, and it's just sad. It's sad that people had to die over something like this. In 2021, people are freezing to death in their own house, and it makes me angry.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's everything I've got. It, it was... Uh, there's obviously more, too. It's, an, it's a developing story still, and you can still look into it, and there's lots of fun uh, lawsuits, like I said, and court cases unfolding, and people are going to get raked over the coals for this. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it it boils down to an understanding of history and being unwilling. I mean, this is, this is like the oldest cliche, I think, in history, and it's something that um, not just history undergrads, but people in all walks of life um say which is you know pay attention to history or you're doomed to repeat it and i mean 10 years ago texas had a a really perfect example of like why it was maybe time to start thinking about doing things a little differently you know maybe it was time to update the winterization standards maybe it was time to think about connecting your power grid to if not everybody then at least some more people so that you have some more emergency contingency but um that didn't happen because there wasn't enough of a public outcry. So um, if you're listening in Texas... Yeah, it wasn't
1: bad enough yet. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad
0: enough yet. I mean, if you're listening in Texas and you were affected, I'm I'm so sorry. And um, at the end of the day, I, I hope that people get loud about it, and I hope that people decide that whatever their solution is, I hope that it's not just let the, the big power companies dictate the rules of the game because they're not going to choose the way that benefits you.
1: Just yeah. ever, uh, yeah. You should nationalize all power across the entire country.
0: Sure, I mean, yeah, that would be that would be great. Um, that might be a tall order, but if that's the end result, then awesome. You know, I'm for that.
1: Yeah. I think it'd be pretty. I sweet. think it would
0: be more than pretty sweet. I think it would probably be <laughs> revolutionary. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's my that's my little uh, rambling spiel on on Texas and the power grid and. Um, I'm sorry that there weren't more butts and dicks in there, but uh...
1: yeah, Dick Glick didn't come back. Yeah,
0: no, Dick Glick is until now. <laughs> well, there's always now. We can bring Dick Glick back from the dead. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Oh well,
1: uh, although I, I, I will say during these calls, I don't know if it drives you insane, but like you know, I move my mouse around to go through yeah. the notes. The motherfucking react button on the stupid bottom of the uh, the Skype window. Mm-hmm. Anytime you go over it, it just like pops up all the stupid reacts and then it'll just get stuck. Oh there. man.
0: Yeah, I don't go over the Skype. It, I don't safe. go over Skype at all. I just yeah. leave it.
1: I don't intentionally. You're
0: sitting over it. So what I do is I keep my notes open on my left. I keep Skype yeah. minimized on my right. And so they're both um, open simultaneously. I don't have to touch anything.
1: Oh, see, I, I have two monitors. So the right monitor mm-hmm, is your mm-hmm. notes, the left monitor is the window. Interesting.
0: Why do you have to go over the window?
1: I mean, I don't intentionally do it. Well, sometimes because I'm I mute it. If are I'm you doing like little cur- Are you doing
0: little curly cues with the mice, the mouse?
1: Well, like I said, so I mute it when I have to do something like cough or sneeze, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you go over. See, like just there. Boom, undo it. Did it again. Did it again. Hmm. <laughs> All, All right. right.
0: Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's yep. our show for right, today. I think. And um, yep. Like I said, if you're in Texas and you're listening. Uh, i hope you guys are doing okay and uh you should be angry and you should do something about it because yeah you don't want to hear dummies like us talking about your stupid ass shit (laughs) on some rinky dink (laughs) podcast um all right well that's our show for today um as always i'm cam and i'm evan (laughs) and he's evan and uh this is the left eye red podcast and and it's it's like i always say everything's bigger in texas (laughs) <laughs> Alright,
1: fuck off. <laughs>